Hi everyone, welcome to Confident in the Chaos, part 6. And today we're beginning to look at chapter 3 of Habakkuk's prophecy. And our title is A Prayer and Vision for Revival. We'll just read a couple of verses at the start. First of all, verse 1 of chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shigionoth. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work. In the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known, in wrath remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I want to read on, but but we'll touch on some of the the further points later on. And you can read the whole chapter down to verse uh, 16 in your own time. But what we have here is, is a prayer that takes the form of a psalm. And really it answers the question for us, um, should we pray for revival? And some people say to me, no, we shouldn't pray for revival because we know from Scripture that things are going to get worse and worse and then Jesus is going to return. And there's no doubt about it that we do need Jesus to return to this earth to make things right. And yes, spiritually, um, we can have points of heaven coming on earth where God's kingdom comes spiritually and communities can be transformed, etc., But ultimately, we need Jesus to return. And sometimes I get the impression from some of the stuff I hear that that we can nearly have heaven on earth and a return to Eden without Jesus uh, coming in the second advent. And that's not possible. And yet there's so much that is possible. So there's, there's an element of truth in that, but it's not the whole truth. And this is why, because Scripture also tells us, though things will get worse and worse and Jesus has to come to sort things out, The Bible also shows us that one of the greatest awakenings in history will take place just before Jesus returns again. We read in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 of a multitude that no man could number. This great multitude comes out of great tribulation. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to have these two truths in tension. We need Jesus to return to iron out all the creases, to right all the wrongs in society. But there's so much of his kingdom can come through the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, which is to be preached the four corners of the earth before Jesus comes. And we will see a great harvest of souls, though things will get bad on the earth in many respects, and there will be persecution. We are going to see a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these last days and the last of the last days. And so the great encouragement today from this prayer psalm of Habakkuk says, no matter how dark the day may be, we can pray in hope because we know that that God has done certain things in the past before and we can also know that there's a promise of a worldwide harvest that is yet to come just before Jesus returns. Now, if you're looking confidence in the chaos that is currently on the earth, that ought to bring you some hope to keep going to know that it's better beyond and the best is yet to be. So revival praying is legitimate. 
because no matter how bad things are, we can always pray for better because our God is a good God. And isn't that what Habakkuk implores the Lord? In wrath, remember mercy. Now, just a note here. God's goodness is displayed in his wrath. That's why he is angry against sin, because he is good. But his goodness is also displayed in his mercy. His judgment is his strange work, another prophet says. There's only one day of judgment uh, in history, but there are 2,000 years of grace in this New Testament era. So God is a God who wants to display his goodness through mercy, but he will one day have to judge the earth. But we can pray now revival prayers according to his character of goodness and his covenant of promise that he is going to bring an awakening to this world one day. I want you to note something else. Because of this, we should expect God to come in awakening even when things are really bad. Habakkuk prays according to what I call the principle of precedence. Precedence is an established ruling in a court of law which holds good for future cases that are of a similar nature. And what we see here is the precedence of God's power in the history of God's people. And there's a principle here, and it's this. The principle of precedence is God has done this before he can do it again. And that's effectively what Habakkuk is rehearsing before the Lord as he, as he gives a history of, of Israel's experiences with God. And he's crying out to God, O oh Lord, revive. And then we read in verse 3, God came. <laughs> There's a revival prayer if, if ever there was one. O oh Lord, revive. And then the answer is God came. One of the best descriptions I've ever heard of revival was given by Duncan Campbell, who was used so mightily in the Hebrides. And he says, revival is a community saturated by God. And on another occasion, he described this revival in the West Islands of Scotland, summed it up in this way. They stood around watching all that was taking place as people were under conviction of sin and turning to, to God in repentance. And they exclaimed these words, God came. Or God has come. And here we see Habakkuk's prayer. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Verse 3, God came. That's what we need. And this is a prayer for revival, but it's also a vision of revival. Because God didn't literally come at this moment. He came in a vision to Habakkuk, reminding him of how he came in the past. And these are exhilarating words, and we don't have time to look at them in any detail. And I would really encourage you to, in your own personal time, look particularly at verse 3 through to verse 16 at the detail. Um, and if you meditate on the person of God, I would encourage you, please do that. And some of the best ways to do that is to look at scriptures that reveal the glory of God and his person, character and power. And this is one of them. 
get your teeth into this vision of Habakkuk's and I'll tell you you'll be taken into heavenly places in the spirit and God will open heaven for you as you meditate upon his character here but as you look at verse 3 through to 15 God reviews for Habakkuk his with his people in the past he recalls his goodness and his acts of power and he remembers the mighty acts of God and he rehearses the exodus through the Red Sea and um, the law giving at, at, at Sinai the conquest um, throughout the, the land of Canaan and even verse 11 references the miraculous event where, where at Gibeon the Lord caused the very sun to stand still for Joshua to win the battle. Joshua 10, 12 we find that. And God's glory is described as brightness shining from heaven and, and on the earth. And as you read this wonderful account you see Warren Wearsby puts like this. He, he came, God came in splendor, verse 3 through 5. He stood in power, verse 6 through 7. And he marched in victory, verse 8 through 15. His awesome power before the armies of men made Habakkuk quake in awe and fear. And we see this in verse 16. It's incredible. He says, When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones. And I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. <laughs> That's incredible. And here what you're having is the fear of God coming upon the prophet. And he's actually shaking. His lips are quivering. His voice is breaking and his bones are growing weak. I tell you, that's what we need today. In the midst of our chaos, one of the things that will give us confidence to endure and overcome is the fear of the Lord. And we need this in the church again. A baptism of the fear of the Lord so that we would tremble before his awesome presence. Now notice it's not a being afraid of God. Actually it says here that, that this caused Habakkuk to rest in the day of trouble. It actually brought a peace into his soul. And you see there is a truth if ever there was one that when we fear the Lord we ought fear nothing else. We certainly don't fear his judgment. But we can be at peace in the day of trouble. And we need a vision of the glory of God again. That we might rest in these days of trouble. God said in verse 5 of chapter 1 that he was at work. At the time Habakkuk couldn't possibly see this. He felt that God had forsaken his people. But you remember what the Lord showed him. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe it though you were told it. And Habakkuk is now asking God to keep on working. If you're working a work in our day, keep on working and revive your work in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy. I want you to see how Habakkuk is praying here because it's really important to learn how we ought to pray as intercessors in this time of chaos. First of all, he's reminding God of his promises. So we, we talked about how he, he, he reminded God of the precedence of his power. God once did this, but the promise that he would 
based on the precedence of how he worked before, the promise that he would do it again in the midst of the years make it known, Habakkuk says. Basically, what he is praying for is an evident and an undeniable work of God now. Boy, that is what we need in the 21st century, particularly in the West. We need God to do an undeniable and an evident work of his spirit in our midst. That's what's missing in the churches. We're not seeing the the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Revive your work in the midst of the years. Make it known. That people will know that there is a God in heaven. So we can pray according to this principle of precedence. God has done it before. He can do it again. But we've also a promise that he's going to bring a great harvest of souls in before Jesus returns. And so there's a confidence when we pray to believe for an awakening, a revival. Even in the midst of all the trouble and tribulation. So we can pray, as as the psalmist prayed in Psalm 68, verse 28. In the NIV, it renders it like this. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. I love that. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. If you did it before, you can do it again. I'm so encouraged by some words of revivalists and people who have experienced revival in the past. Again, to quote Duncan Campbell, he said, when the tide is out the farthest, then it's about to turn. Amen. Oh, things are dark. Things are desperate today, outside and inside the church. But let us have hope that it was such a time for Habakkuk. But he actually channeled all his faith into the mighty acts of God in in history, what God had done before, he could do it again. And he was holding on to the promises of God's greatness and God's goodness in his mercy. Do it again. Revive in the midst of the years. I was so encouraged this week at a report of some eyewitnesses from the Welsh Revival in 1904. This is what they said then about how things, conditions were just before the revival. They said, it is ever the darkest hour before the dawn. The nation always seems to be given over to the evil one before the coming of the Son of Man. The decay of religious faith, the deadness of the churches, the atheism of the well-to-do, the brutality of the masses, all these, when at their worst, herald the approach of the revival. Things seem to get too bad to last. The reign of evil becomes intolerable. Then the soul of the nation awakes wow it's dark the days are evil the church to a large extent in the western world is asleep and complicit with the apathy and the darkness but children of God do not lose hope our God is a God who loves to break in in the midst of such chaos He gives us the confidence to believe, look what I did in the past. Look at how dark the days were. And look at how I came through for my people when they prayed, when they believed in me, when they touched my character and my covenant, my promises. And by faith, they laid hold of me. I came through and I will do it again. 
You know, last time we looked at the Trinity of Positivity in, in chapter 2, and one of the three in that Trinity of Positivity was the verse that 14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And just as I was meditating on that after I'd spoken that recording, I was thinking of how actually the earth currently is filled with the glory of the Lord. That might surprise you. But you remember how in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, the seraphim cried out to one another in that heavenly throne room scene, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is already filled with the glory of the Lord if we had only eyes to see it. But you see what you have in Habakkuk 2.14 is that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. In other words the whole earth is, the universe is filled with God's glory. The angelic hosts are there. God's rule and reign is here. People's eyes don't see it. Their hearts don't perceive it. And there's a day coming when ordinary people right across this world of every tribe, tongue, people and nation will have a knowledge of the glory of God as it covers the earth. And anticipation of that day let's pray in that harvest let's pray for eyes to be opened to the glory the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and may we as a people have a testimony in these days in these dark chaotic days may we have the confidence and even to, to succeeding generations to come be able to say we prayed O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In wrath, remember mercy. And God answered. Verse 3. God came. God came and did what he has done before. God came and kept covenant and his promises. Will you pray that prayer? Lord, revive. Boy, do we need a revival in the church. Do we, I, I can't speak for the nation that you belong to, but I can only speak for Ireland. Boy, do we need a revival in the church. But we need an awakening in, in our communities. We need people to see the true glory of the Lord. And we need the fear of the Lord to come on our peoples. That they might tremble and yet know the love, the mercy and the peace of God in these days of trouble. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this message of hope today from Habakkuk. That no matter how dismal and depressing the circumstances might be around us in our, in our own personal environment, we can have hope that we have a God who does miracles. And whilst the, the, the prophet Isaiah was told, remember not the former things, Lord, that, that meant that he wasn't to get chained to the past as some of us have done that we just think God worked in the past but actually to recognise that God is doing a new thing it's springing forth, do you not see it? And so Lord, we actually use the past to enthuse us in faith to believe Lord, you can do it again and we're calling in this principle of precedence regarding your power Summon your power, O God 
Show us your strength as you have done before. And as we believe the coming of Christ is near, we pray, Lord, bring in that great harvest of souls and help us to stand faithful in the darkness, in the persecution, in the trial, in the tribulation that will not give in, but will actually preach this gospel in power and love for the glory of Jesus and for the ingathering of the nations. We give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord, for your blessed peace, even in the midst of our chaos. And may we lay hold of it by faith right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you for what will probably be our last installment of Confident in the Chaos. God bless you.